We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive, Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. So uh, we've been talking about how fear is a liar. Everyone say, fear is a liar. Now say it like you mean it. Fear is a liar. And we've been going through the book of Daniel, and we're not reading it verse by verse, but we're going through some of the key points and some of the bigger themes in it. And, and this is our last week, so we're going to review just a little bit of what we've seen in the, in the book of Daniel. If you want to open up your pew Bible in there, you can be somewhere around 734 today if you have the Burgundy one, probably about 630, uh, 630 if you have the Red Bible. And uh, what we've seen in the book of da- Daniel is a major theme. Daniel is a man who is in a country not his own. He is essentially a slave, but he's a high-ranking one. He's almost like a prince in the country now because God has established him. God has brought him there. And throughout the book of Daniel, what you see is Daniel has this firm belief, and it's shown by his actions, and it's shown by the actions of even the kings that he serves. He serves at least three kings, it's shown that God is sovereign over all. So what does sovereign mean? Sovereign means absolute authority. And I know a lot of times when we look around our world, we don't see that, we don't feel that. We say, well, if God's in control, then why is this happening? If God's in, I want you to know that God has his purposes and his attempts that are going to take place. They're going to be activated. It's going to happen the way he intends it. And so even if the ruler is not righteous, God is using him to do something. And that's what we see in Daniel's life. The the nation of Israel had turned their back on God, and they were taken over the Babylonians. And the king comes in and takes the young men, the ones that are smart, the ones that are educated, he educates them in his school, and then he has them serve him. But through it all, even this king realizes that God is the absolute authority above all others. That all nations will fall and rise. All kings will have their time. But there is a Lord above all of those. There is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And and through Daniel, we see a vision, a dream happens, and Daniel can interpret it for King Nebuchadnezzar. And in this dream, we see the different nations that are going to be established, and we even see our current era or our current time in the feet of this nation of made of clay. And it's a man, a statue that's standing up that's very proud. The head is made of gold, bronze, and as we go lower, the metals get stronger, but the leadership gets weaker until we get to the feet, and the feet is made up of clay and iron mixed together. In the dream, a rock is hewn from a mountain, and and the rock comes down, and it bowls over the statue and pounds it all to dust, and in its place, comes a big mountain. And Daniel explains the dream. And in that dream, he explains that that mountain is the kingdom of God. And we know that as Jesus Christ's return, amen? We see it paralleled in Revelation. We see the same story. So Jesus is going to be the Lord of all. 
There's going to be a kingdom established by Jesus, not by our works, not by any other man, but by Jesus himself coming back. He's going to establish his rule and reign. And everything from Genesis to the very end of Revelation where you see God's authority established is the story of how God is doing it. And God is still working through you. And the leadership that is around us is God appointed according to the book of Daniel. And so we have to have proper respect for authority, but we also at times, we respectfully disobey in order to be in agreement with God. And you see that in the book of Daniel. Daniel has times where he goes and he's thrown into the lion's den with King Darius and he he serves Darius. He's respectful. God rescues him. Darius understands what's going on and he makes a proclamation of a faith almost that he believes that God is the one true God. And we see over and over again this plays out in Daniel's life. As Daniel submits to God as the ultimate ruler and authority, he also has respect for the position of leadership that is above him. There's a respectfulness, a prayerfulness even. And we see a lot in Daniel where there's, there's persecution. There's difficult times for the nation of, of Israel. And, and they're in bondage and they're in slavery. But through this, Daniel keeps his faith in God even in the hard times. And it can be difficult to keep your faith in God in the hard times. So before we go into Daniel, I want to pop up a a different verse here because I think this applies very well to what we're going to be talking about right now. We can go to the first verse there. This is in 2 Chronicles. It says, if my people who are called by my name, everyone say, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal, everyone say heal again, heal their land. How many of you heard that verse before in some way? A few of you. Okay. This is what we need. All right? Especially now. We're, we're in a political season. We're in a, a time uh, of choice and decision. And we have division within these United States. We have division within churches. We have division within families. We have a land, a nation that needs to be healed. And I want to tell you right now, no matter who's elected, it's not going to be a man or a woman that can do it. No one's going to be able to heal this land except for Jesus Christ. There is no solution that can be found in us, even personally, for these issues, except for through Jesus Christ. And when we make Jesus Christ the Lord, and when we humble ourselves, and we cry out, and we pray, and we seek the face of God, then we have a chance to accomplish what God wants in our hearts and in our minds. There is no earthly Savior that is in human form right now 
on this planet, no president, no vice president, no dictator, no ruler that is going to be able to establish the peace that we desire, the hope that we want, the equality and the justice that we cry out for. And have you ever thought of why that is even there in your heart? How many of you can look around your world and you see that it isn't fair? One of the first lessons my dad taught me, right? Well, that's not fair, dad. Toughen up, cupcake. (laughs) Life ain't fair, right? Where does that sense of fairness come from if life isn't fair? Where does that need of justice come from if life isn't just? I want to present an option, a choice for that question. And I think it's this. It doesn't come from us, it comes from God. That desire to have justice and righteousness and peace and equality and all of these things does not come from our own hearts, but it comes from God. That within us is a moral compass that God has placed, and we can choose to obey it or we can choose to leave it. But we have this sense of justice that is within us. What we need our leaders. What we need, our followers. What we need is an entire nation that is praying this prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven, hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. See, Daniel was not Fearful, he was faithful. And fear is misplaced trust in ourselves or in someone else. Because we know that we ourselves have let ourselves down. Have you ever messed up before? Have you ever set the alarm clock to p.m. instead of a.m.? A few of us did that this morning, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever slipped up? Have you ever had someone else mess up your situation? Mess up your circumstance? Yeah. But there is one that is continually faithful, and that is God, right? There is one that is continually there, and that is Jesus. But if we are really going to live without fear, if we're really going to live faithful lives then what's going to happen is we're going to expect situations to arise that aren't comfortable, that aren't easy. We're going to be in situations, maybe not as extreme as Daniel, but we see it the rest of the world over. There are Christians that are having their heads lopped off. There are Christians that are suffering great abuses. There are Christians that are bound in slavery even now. There are people that cannot worship the name of Jesus gathered together without facing persecution. And guys, sometimes we look outside and we see it snowing and we're afraid to come to church, but they're going to church with the very thought they may lose their life. They're not afraid. They have faith. They have courage, even in the difficult situation. I think as as believers, we need to expect what Jesus expected in that he was persecuted. We need to expect uh, discomfort at times. But we need to know that there is real persecution. And then we need to pray for our enemies, which may be the hardest thing of all. 
And, and I, I want to be a little bit self-critical and vulnerable in this situation. I have a lot of great ideas for our leadership and our nation and everything else if all of them would just call me and, and ask me. And I know where everyone else is wrong and I know where everyone should be and everyone's right and you know all the talking heads and what they're saying wrong and everything else. Uh, I'm being sarcastic. But in moments, I, I do have arrogant things that I say. And this is the thought that's been riding me for the last three or four years. When I'm talking about leadership, President, Congress, local leadership, trustees, whoever it is. Am I praying for them as much as I'm critiquing them? Am I taking my concerns to the throne of God humbly? Am I respecting the position of authority that God has given them? And am I asking Jesus to do a work in them? Because look, in Daniel we see a king that is given dreams by God himself. Guys, I can do some things, but I have never put a dream in someone's head before. I've never been able to play Inception on somebody. But guess who can? God. And it's happening even now in Muslim nations. Muslims are having dreams of who Jesus Christ is. And they're coming to salvation in Jesus. And when I say they're salvation, is that working? When they're coming to salvation in Jesus, I don't mean they're just saying, well, now I'm a Christian. I mean, they are sometimes dying for their faith. It's radical. It's amazing what God is doing. See, Daniel's often in trouble for living a, a holy life, trying to live a whole li holy life, and we talked about it last week. Salvation is free, but it is not cheap. Salvation is free because Jesus paid the price already. He has given it to us, but he had to pay a heavy price, his life. And as Christians, we should honor that. We should have a respect for that. We should have uh, something that dwells up within us that says, okay, if Jesus is willing to do that, then I'm willing to live my life. And, and oftentimes I find myself thinking and I hear other people saying that I would be willing to die for Jesus. That's good. But are we living for him? Right now. Am I living for him? Am I doing what he's asking me to do? Or am I doing whatever feels right in my heart? Two different things. So an exiled slave becomes the ruler. He outlasts all the kings he serves. Miracles are done. Dreams are interpreted. He talks with angels. Friends escape execution. And he sees the very handwriting of God. On the wall. Incredible story, isn't it? You realize that Daniel is, is a self-biography. It's almost like we get to open up his diary and read what's going on. As he's looking back over his whole life. We have to apply the lesson that Daniel learned. The wisdom that Daniel had. And that's something I've always prayed for is the wisdom of Daniel. The faith and the boldness. And replacing fear with faith. Understanding that God has providence over every situation. That nothing is too big for him. That he has control of it in his hands. And that he is the ultimate authority and king over all. That takes a submission 
That takes a humility that I don't come about naturally. Somebody once bragged that they were the most humble person they knew. <laughs> right then you stepped into pride, haven't you? What comes comes after pride? Fall. Fall. And we see that in the book of Daniel. I have a verse here that I, I want to read to you. Daniel uh, opens up what he has as far as scripture goes. And he's reading in the book of Jeremiah. And he's seeing the prophecy that's telling Daniel right then and there what is happening to him in his life. That the nation of Israel is going to go into exile for 70 years. And so Daniel is reading this and and he comes to this realization of what God has done in his life, but also what he's doing in the nation of Israel because it's bigger than just him. And, And what we're a part of right now as this church and as the body of Christ is bigger than just us. Amen? It's bigger than than just our time in history right now. It's bigger than the name that we have on our sign. We are part of the body of Jesus Christ. We are part of the story that is going on. We are part of the kingdom of heaven. We don't have to wait for God to establish his kingdom and authority now. We can establish it in our hearts, in our minds, right now. And we begin living it and bringing it out in others. But Daniel has this realization and this humble moment that comes in, in Daniel chapter 9, starting at, at verse 1. We're going to look at this. It says here, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition. Notice how serious he gets here. And fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. He would shave his head. He would put rough clothing on. He would put ashes on his head. This was part of the ritual showing that he was in mourning, that he was in deep prayer. And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And I have to believe he's weeping in this moment. I have to believe he is on his very knees and he is screaming out to God and he is sobbing. And he says, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and your laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our ancestors and to all the people of the land. 
Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. You, we and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All of Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of David, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. Notice that Daniel is not just asking for personal forgiveness. He's asking for broad nationwide forgiveness. You have fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring this disaster on us. For the Lord our God is righteous. That means he's right in everything he does. Yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourselves a name that endures to this day, we have sinned and we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all of those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look away with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear our God and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. That is quite a prayer, isn't it? Is humility found there? Yeah. Have you ever have you ever asked for forgiveness that something of something that you didn't do? There's a a neat story, it's a true story of a a young man who was going to a college and I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> he made a confessional booth. And he wasn't Catholic. He made a confessional booth and brought it in the middle of the wildest party at this college. And it was a party that happened over the, the, the weekend. And, and most of the people in this college were, were very anti-God, not, not believing in Jesus at all. And, and he put it up and the people were just angry. They were angry because in the middle of their area was this confessional booth. And what do you want me to do? Confess my sins? Get in there and confess my sins to you? So he stepped into the booth, not a priest, steps into the booth on one side, opens it up on the other, and the people are so mad they line up. 
They line up and they start coming in and they're just getting ready to tell them off. In fact, the first person gets in, she just starts laying into him, starts ripping into him. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think you understand what I'm doing here. He said, stop, just give me a moment. Let me say something. And then you can say what you want to say. So she agreed. And he said this, I want to confess the sins of the church. I'm sorry that we didn't feed the needy the way we're supposed to feed the needy. I'm sorry that we haven't taken the responsibility for others around us. We haven't loved our enemies the way we're to love our enemies. We've cursed those we're supposed to pray for. We've abandoned the orphans and and, and the widows. And we haven't done what God has asked us to do. We've looked at those with judgment and we haven't loved just because they live a different way. We haven't been like Jesus to you and for that I apologize. Tears pouring down her face. She wasn't expecting that. I want you to realize that we have a responsibility to our nation. Amen? We have a responsibility to these United States. We have a responsibility to our leaders and our elders. We have a responsibility to our president to pray. To serve the way God has asked us to serve. To be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And there have been times that the church has not succeeded in that as a whole. And I think that's why we see some of the things around us that are in disaster. And I'm not blaming us or you or anyone else. I'm just saying that we as a nation need to humble ourselves. And we need to cry out for God's mercy. Because we need it. We need to seek the forgiveness of God. Because that is where we will find our salvation. That is where we will find our hope. I don't care who's the next president. The hope is not going to come from that person. It alone can come through Jesus Christ. They may be able to do good things, but it's going to come from Jesus Christ. And that puts us in a seat of responsibility. That puts us in a position where we need to be praying and calling out upon the name of God the way Daniel did. I think that's our role as believers. Amen? I have taken this verse of Daniel and and looked over it. Excuse me. And tried to make it a prayer for our nation. And I want to read that to you now. It's going to be on the screen. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are great and awesome, God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of failing love to those who love you and obey your commands. Amen. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our presidents, to our leaders and ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see our faces covered with shame, this is true of all of us, including the people of Hamilton County and Indiana 
and all the United States near and far. Oh, Lord, we and our presidents, leaders and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful, amen, and forgiving. That's our hope. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. Our country has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us. And because of our sin... You have kept your words and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all of these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and we are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, from your holy mountain, and all the neighboring nations that mock us and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your children. Oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Amen. Now, maybe you don't agree with me, and that's fine. That's the beauty of the nation we live in. We get to have opinions and beliefs. But what I see, even in our community, is people addicted to drugs, addicted to prescriptions, addicted to alcohol, addicted to pornography, addicted to to lavish living lifestyles. We see people addicted to selfishness. We see all this, and we see some good. We see good, I agree. But we also see the other side of it. We can look out and we can see so many churches that are doing right and trying to discern the will of God. And for that, I am grateful. I am grateful that we still have that. But we see a great need. I hope you see it. We see a great need in our nation and in our immediate county, probably even on our street, in our homes. I want you to know that hope still exists. Amen? That Jesus is still God. He's still Lord. And when we humble ourselves, and when we get to the place where we're willing to really put Him in charge, take ourselves off of that platform, and put Him up there, and we're willing to let Him lead and love, things begin to align. And it doesn't happen instantly. It's not always perfect, but I want to tell you, but I have so much more joy when I'm in obedience to God and even going through trials than when I'm doing what I want and I think I'm having fun. God loves you. God loves our nation. God loves the people of our nation. God loves our leaders. And we need to pray for them. We need to uphold them before God. And then we need to serve the best way we can serve as a church. We need to live the best way we can live as Jesus Christ, his hand and feet. We need to stand up for truth. We need to have faith and not fear. And we need to believe that the kingdom of God is established first in our hearts. And then it spreads to others individually.
The way to influence change in our nation, in our county, in our street, in our family is beginning with me, beginning with you, and then spreading that. Amen? That's the best way we can do it. Jesus understood the grassroots political campaign. (laughs) And he did it with disciples. And it wasn't a politician. It wasn't political. It was faith. It was faith that went out. And we're here right now because of those disciples that shared and did that. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the words of Daniel, for the wisdom that you gave him. I pray that we would have that, that we would have that courage, that boldness to call things for what they are, that we would seek righteousness and not our own desires and our selfishness, but instead we would pray and call out to you in humility with tears. We would pray to the God that can adjust the hearts and the minds of the kings, that can adjust the hearts and the minds of the presidents, that can adjust the hearts and the minds of our local leaders. God, Help them to follow you. Give them dreams and give them visions. Open their eyes. But Lord, even more importantly, begin doing that work within us so that we can move it to others. So that people see a hope within us and they say, where does that hope come from? And we can say, it's Jesus. It's always Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that. Amen. We hope that this message will help guide you toward positive Christ-centered change. By reviewing this podcast, you could be part of spreading the good news. Please also consider giving a donation to our ministry at cometoabc.com slash giving. As always, these messages are available to copy and share on social networks. Until next time, continue to grow in Jesus.